Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sports' longest-running football show. We're midway through a double game week in the Premier League, so we've got that to cover on today's show, alongside the biggest action in the Scottish Premiership and from leagues across the world of football. My name is Jack Donnelly, and today I'm joined by the man of many clubs, Struan Garvey. Good to have you, mate. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. How are you doing? Yeah, I can't complain, mate. It's actually quite sunny down on the West Coast for once. It's nice. Get a wee change of, wee change of weather. It's raining here. All, all the snow that I spoke about so fondly in the last podcast is now completely gone. Is it just all mush and it's just, ice snow? It's, it's, not, it's not even really slush. It's just literally all gone. It's been raining for like two days solid, and it's basically just just, just disappeared, to be honest. There's a bit, a, bit, a bit of slush here or there, but it's, it's gone, really. Hopefully this podcast can bring a bit of sunlight on a rainy day in Stirlingshire. That's what we're I hope so. Anyway. I hope all the Stirling listeners are excited. Uh, we're also joined for the first time in what feels like forever on an energy podcast. We've got a wisher's finest defensive midfielder, Taylor Murray. How are you doing, mate? I'm all right. I'm all right. It feels good to be back on. It feels like it's been a year. <laughs> no sport he's last year, since last year. Is it this? you just getting your dad patted out of the road? Yeah, if I get it, out nice, get it out nice and early, then right, okay. you can move on. I was going to say we'd missed you, but then you come out with that. So, I mean, you kind of put yourself <laughs> straight back down in the estimation. Uh well, um, I've missed you if it's worth it. Ah, we've missed you as well. What, what are you, have you been avoiding us? What's been, what's been the script? Oh, what, what, what it is, it's just a hectic Christmas. I say hectic Christmas, I mean, like, you couldn't really do anything, so it was mostly me just trying to make sure presents and all that were sorted, and then uh, New Year just came about. It was just that time between Christmas and New Year when nobody knows what day it is. I could swear it was the one day, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> and uh, ever since then, it's just been, yeah, I don't know, man, I've just been cutting about. I like I'm I'm see I I'd give you the argument that Amy Canavan uh, put the fear of God into you after she bullied you in that uh, quiz performance. See, I was hanging about that quiz performance by the way, and some of my I I was listening back and some of my answers I'm like just 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 just, just fuck off to her. <laughs> so I think that might have I think a part of me probably did ban myself from speaking, but the other half was what I got on, so uh I had a good fight with myself and I'm back. Well, good. We're glad to have you back. Uh, the better version of yourself, as as you're claiming, we'll be the judge, I suppose. <laughs> uh, finally, we've also got the most lethal left foot at Napier University, Jamie McIntosh. How are you, mate? Oh, very good, thanks. Very good. Started my Monday off very... Uh, it st- started my Monday off right in the early hours. My, my new NFL team beat Sean McGill's, which is always nice to get one over him. Uh, I was up very early this morning, took the dog out, stuck the headphones in and listened to... Uh, a brilliant Hearts uh, Hearts podcast uh, discussing uh, Saturday's victory over Alwa. Good stuff. Well, it's all, all things positive for Jamie McIntosh today. And hopefully it remains that way for the next hour or so. Uh, as always, we kick things off with the big question. And with the title race and the Serie A continue to heat up and get more interesting by the week. I wanted to know, it's a bit, I didn't really know how to phrase this question, but the basis of it is basically what has been everyone's kind of most enjoyable title race to watch and that can either have been throughout the season kind of coming down to one specific moment coming down to the final day whatever it would be but what has been kind of the best title race in your opinion and that can kind of spread all over uh all over europe and all over the world of football so strewn and what i want to come to you for this one because i don't really know where people are going to go for this one uh in particular so i'm very interested to hear what you've all got to say well, you see, I, I've I've misunderstood the question at first, there, so I had something totally different in my head. Okay. I thought it was the current season, which title race I'm most interested uh, in. Oh, okay. Over overall, um, can we come back to me? I will come back to you. That's fine. That's fine. Thank uh, you. Taylor, did did you have a grasp on the question, or did you go for something <laughs> similar than this? No, I feel pretty smart. In fact, I understood it first time. I'm I'm looking at this, so I'm. Uh, I looked at the question. I thought only one thing comes to my head. And it's probably one that would, I think if I didn't mention it, somebody else would have mentioned it, but Helicopter Sunday. Yeah, it's, it's mine as well. <laughs> nah, it's just one of the ones where even at a young age, it's still it's ingrained in my brain, thinking about that and just everything about it. So, go on, go on. For, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know what Helicopter Sunday is, give give a give a quick explanation of what, what happened. So quick. essentially, what this <laughs> is, is, I'm pretty sure, right, I, I could have my facts wrong here, because uh, obviously I was young age, but I'm just going off of what I can remember. I'm pretty sure Celtic were leading Rangers by seven points, I think, in the, 
in the running. It could be more by or it could be less, but Celtic were winning the title. It looked like it was all but Celtics, but then Celtic dropped points in the running to uh, teams and uh, occupied it the last day. So uh, Rangers were playing Hibs and Celtic were playing Murrow. And uh, all essentially do is, had to do is Celtic had to do either equal or better Rangers results. And uh, started off pretty good and simple, I think. Uh, Rangers had took the lead and it was just all down to basically Celtic having to win. And after my, after my thinking go correctly, this is one where I knew my mind's going blank. I don't know if Celtic <laughs> scored first or if they even scored. I can't remember. Uh, the Chris Sutton scored for Celtic. They were 1 0 uh, up at, uh, at half time and McDonald scored two rather yeah. late goals, I think it was. Yeah, I can remember seeing Chris Sutton's being happy at one point and I was like, that, that was. That made I think that was the same season he, he claimed the film and laid out the Rangers, but that's. That's a different story, but basically, <laughs> what here is Celtic were leading, and uh, Scott McDonald became a, a Rangers hero. We were banging in two late goals, and the helicopter, as it comes to the famous goals, changed direction from going to Fur Park to Ibrox. One of the most hectic days, and watching it back was like one was of it, the most. Was it not away at Easter Road? I thought. Uh, no, I think Rangers were at Ibrox. They could be Easter Road. Nah, Road. Rangers were at Easter Road for helicopters Road, sorry, I know five. So the, the Celtic were going to win it at Fir Park, but then obviously it changed directions. So it changed direction from Fir Park to uh, to Easter Road. Something that's actually quite weird that Celtic and Rangers were both playing away from home. It's usually kind mm. of ones at home and, and ones away from home nowadays. That's what you're kind of used to seeing anyway. Absolutely. But it's, it was a euphoria of the commentary seeing the helicopters changing direction. Like that is the, it's stuck in my head, that. And I've... The Man City, by the way, one, if that's ever brought up, was probably, I'd say that's the closest, but it hasn't came anywhere near what that was. Like, that was great. And just the everything, the celebrations, the the sheer dread Celtic fans, but then the sheer euphoria Rangers fans, it was like, what a, what a day. Just what a finish this season. Probably arguably one of the greatest, I'd say. I feel like I should have anticipated that, to be honest. I feel like the, the bias kind of, Rings a lot true with you in, in a lot a lot of times, uh, compared to your other uh, staunch counterpart, Mr. Graham Sinclair. So I, I probably could have anticipated that, but what was it like from the neutrals perspective watching that all unfold then, Jamie? It was one of my kind of first um it was two thousand five, so I mean I was I was six years old, but it was one of my kind of first um one of the kind of first title races that I remember, um, as a kind of youngster kind of growing up anyway I didn't it was kind of just about when I started supporting Chelsea but you know I was still kind of more solely focused on on, on Scottish football than uh, than kind of anywhere else so mm-hmm. and you know obviously I kind of live in a family a football kind of family so you kind of get it from your from your parents as I'm sure it's the same for you guys and um, yeah it was just it was just weird because eh? obviously the the old firm I think they, they both finished on quite high and um, quite high high points um, and yeah, so they hadn't dropped hadn't dropped many points and um, it was 93 and 92 or something i want to say so i mean in 38 games you know that's that's not i think they'd both won like 30 games or 29 and 30 games or something um so that's a lot of games you know in a, in a 38 game season so they hadn't dropped many points and uh so you know obviously it's just a kind of a formality that the rangers and celtic would both win on the on the last day of the season and you know, especially when Celtic got themselves in front, it's uh, it doesn't happen too often that you see the old firm kind of um, go in front and then and then kind of surrender a lead. So uh, yeah, what Scott McDonald did that day and what Motherwell did that day was um, was pretty remarkable. I have to agree. To be honest, it, it was it was generally just I think modern footballer would just kind of describe it as absolute scenes, and it was because it was kind of far apart but also very close together at the same time for both teams and it just didn't really think that anything like that could have happened but I'm sure it will remain a part of Scottish football heritage I suppose for many many years to come. Struan have you managed to work an answer out of nothing almost nothing to go on? I think if I think I was being biased I would have mentioned probably the 99 the United treble winning one in which they finished a point above Arsenal in the end. I think that would have been a great one to watch, but obviously I didn't see that. I'm, I'm going to go for the Leicester 2014-15 season. Or was it 15-16? It was 15-16, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I've already butchered it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed that because obviously I, I had a team in the race in Man United. Well, I say they were in the race, they, they were in the league. And it was it was just great to see this Leicester team 
every single week you thought, surely they won't, surely they won't, surely they won't. And then it got to about game week 30, 32, and you're sort of thinking, they're, they're doing this, they're, Leicester say are actually going to win the Premier League. And then that moment when Eden Hazard scored against Tottenham Hotspur, like Tottenham Hotspur with the team in the title race, for, for goodness sake. And then Leicester won the league and you see them all part and you actually think this 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 Leicester team with Claudio Ranieri have actually won the Premier League at a time where you know, Manchester City had just won it the season prior. United were recovering from Sir Alex Ferguson. It was almost the perfect, the the perfect time to win the league because mm. that was the season. As I said, City had recently won it, but that was Manuel Pellegrini leaving. United were recovering from Alex Ferguson. Klopp was sort of just coming in from Liverpool. Uh, Mourinho had been sacked. He was heading at Chelsea. It was it was almost the perfect time to capitalise, and that's exactly what Leicester did. And I think just just that season, it was nice to see a non-traditional top six team win the Premier League for the first time since Blackburn. So, yeah, it was nice. And they're in the title race again this year. And it's good that the one constant was Spurs bought on it. Yep, I think Spurs finished third <laughs> Spurs in that finished season as well. Third in a two-horse race. I think, Arsenal, I think, Arsenal, I think Arsenal, Arsenal somehow came in yeah. late and overtook them. That that was that was the most pleasing thing about it for me. I remember that. I remember that day that Leicester won it so so vividly. I was sat. I was sat downstairs with my dad. Uh, and I, I was really just agitated because as a Chelsea fan in me, I, I was fuming with Spurs because they were kicking Chelsea all over the park in a game that I think has now become to be known as the Battle of the Bridge. And then Hazard, who had had his worst season for Chelsea by by and large that season, had to be the man to just bend it in off of Diego Costa's pass into the top right-hand corner beyond Maurice. And I just remember going mental. It, it didn't really mean anything for our season. But it just meant that Spurs weren't getting a league title and Leicester were, and that that uh, I I feel I feel like I'll, I'll always remember that one just because it was really significant in terms of the history of the Premier League. I've got, I've gone away from the from the home nations for for my choice here. I had I had a wee look and I had a wee think, and obviously United City in twenty twelve came to me. I think it was it, it was yes twenty eleven twelve. That came to mind, obviously, just because I think Martin Tyler's commentary is potentially a few of the first lines of commentary you think of when you think of the biggest footballing moments. But I was a big fan of Atletico Madrid's uh, title win in 2013-14 season, where it actually went down to the very final game against Barcelona, who were in second and only three points off them. I think had Barca won it, they would have overtaken Atletico and goal difference and won the title. But and they took the lead, I think. Uh, Alexis Sanchez opened the scoring for them. But then, early in the second half, Diego Godin scored scored a header and it secured Atletico's first La Liga title in 18 years. So it had really been kind of El Clasico dominance up until that point. And quite like you said, Stuart, I'm always a big fan of seeing an almost non-traditional side winning a title in comparison to what's been the norm in modern football. So seeing Atletico Madrid, who had a really, really good team by that point. I think that was kind of when Griezmann was first starting to come out. I think uh, Godin and Miranda were at the back. Felipe Luis Courtois was in goal for that season. He came back for the uh, following season at Chelsea. It, it was just a brilliant kind of... It was a really good Atletico team. And I, I, I remember it quite fondly, I'll say, even though I don't really care much for the team now. I think they're a very good team, but I don't have any association. I, I, rem- I remember it because it just kind of disrupted the flow, which is... Always a good thing. Uh, I think before our time, though, there was another the Newcastle, the Kevin Keegan title race. <laughs> I just imagine Twitter being about then. <laughs> Could you imagine Kevin oh. Keegan's? Like, I'd love it if we beat them going on Twitter. <laughs> that I will love it. Love it if we beat them. <laughs> love it if love we it. beat them. <laughs> we didn't. Yeah, naturally. Oh, that that was. <laughs> I wish I'd been alive for that. That would have been really funny to have witnessed at the time. Uh, we'll start, as usual, with our coverage of Scottish football over the past weekend and chewing the football. We'll start with the champions as they drop points yet again with Livingston continuing their good run of form. Uh, a nil-nil draw between Celtic and Livingston and we got a chance to kind of see exactly what David Martindale's football is all about. Celtic were really kind of pressured high up the pitch and for such an attacking team that Celtic can become... Uh, become known as it's true and it was a real surprise to see them just boxed into their own half at points with Livingston really having control of the entire game yeah I think I think it goes to show just how good Livingston are was it was it five or six wins in a row before Celtic in the league the, overall in the league, I think yeah. it was seven or eight 
Very, very good. And I think like, a lot of people were saying that the Celtic team, you know, it was weak and stuff like that. I, feel, I still think when you look at that Celtic team, it's good enough to get a result. I mean, there was still a lot of first-choice players in the team and big-money summer signings like Duffy and Turnbull, etc. So I really don't think there's there's that much of an excuse. And it's <laughs> at the same time as being an excuse, it's almost like, you know, you've shot yourself in the foot with this, haven't you? There's a reason all mm-hmm. these players are absent. But, yeah, I think, I think credit to Livingston. And, I mean, no, no goals is never great to talk about, but I'm really excited for the, the upcoming game between the two of them again this week. Uh, of course, it's tomorrow night, if I'm right, on the day of recording, we're recording the Monday, so Tuesday. I think it's Wednesday. Yeah. Is it Wednesday? I thought it was, I thought it was Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, either or. Uh, yeah, it's Wednesday. There we Quarter go. past eight. Quarter past eight. We're watching with uh, bated breath to see if David Martindale can get a... Oh, it's on TV as well. Nice. Oh, is it? Oh, even better. Yeah. So, that'll, be, that'll definitely be a good one to watch. Uh, we've kind of lathered praise on Livingston over the past couple of weeks anyway, so... We should probably focus a bit more on the nonsense going on at Celtic, and before before we even get on to what's come out today as of recording, Jamie, it's six wins in the last twenty games for Neil Lennon. It's a horrendous record for any Celtic manager. So why do we think he's actually still in a job when this is not a common thing at Celtic Football Club in recent seasons? I don't really know to be honest. I don't know why he's still in a job. I think everybody's surely thinking this thinking the same thing. I mean, I think everybody probably is wondering wondering what needs to happen for, for Neil Lennon to get sacked. I think everybody's kind of played out scenarios in their head now with what the kind of deciding game would be. So what needs to happen for, for Neil Lennon to get sacked? A lot of people kind of said the, the cup final against Hearts, they won that, so then it was it was okay. And then people said it was gonna be the old firm. He lost the old firm, obviously, and he's he's still there. And um, you know, since the old firm, they've they've drawn two games at home, which you know is usually where Celtic are are very strong at, at home. So I don't know. I don't know why he's still in a job. To be fair, um, I thought they did okay in the old firm. They 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 went into the old firm with with a bit of decent form. I think they were something like six games unbeaten going into the old firm in um, in all competitions. So they they did go into that with a bit of form and. They looked okay in the old firm. I thought they were the better team. Um, but obviously it counts for nothing because they still lost against Hibs. They conceded a late goal from a set piece and drew a blank against Livingston, who, you know, okay, are on a very good run of form. But as um, David Martindale alluded to, to last week, that the, the kind of Celtic string of players that he was expecting to be facing at, at Parkhead and in the, the following game, uh, on Wednesday night is is still way way more than uh, or is on way more than um, the you know the Livingston squad mm. would would be on in a year or something you know so the, the the financial gap is is still huge in Scotland and it's still a very bad result for Celtic to to drop points to Livingston at home regardless of of the form that Livingston are coming into the game on but I don't think anybody was surprised by this result you know I certainly know a few of the boys took uh, took Livingston on the old ACA at the weekend <laughs> so did. I think. Um, <laughs> I think people were were expecting Celtic to to um to have their work cut out and and going by Michael Stewart's commentary um for Sports Sound I listened to Sports Sound on Saturday because I I didn't manage to get to the end of the drill this weekend um Livingston seemed to be the better team they seemed to have the better of the the better of the chances and you know going by the the highlights that I watched on Sports Scene that certainly seemed to be the case um and you know I think it's it's credit to David Martindale that uh. You know they kind of come away from Parkhead, Parkhead a little disappointed that they didn't get all three points. No, he absolutely would have to be considering just the state of affairs the club is in. And you mentioned that you didn't really know what it would take for Neil Lennon to be sacked. Potentially a second COVID case uh, to have come from the Dubai trip that might do it, and there has been one. It's been announced uh, kind of just around lunchtime. I want to say today that there has been a second COVID outbreak or another one of the players self-isolating in Celtic squad has tested positive and Lennon has given a very very interesting press conference after it uh, just Taylor I'll, read, I'll, read, I'll bounce some comments off you here so he believes that there's an agenda against Celtic and feels Celtic is being held to a higher standard than others he doesn't believe it's morally wrong to go to Dubai and believe that there's bullying going on he didn't, he didn't then expand on the latter point. This is all from uh, Raman Bardwaj, of course. And then was also him saying that he feels no one is due an apology from Celtic for the Dubai trip except the supporters. 
he is taking full responsibility for the decision to go and therefore it should have been him and not Peter Lawl who should have apologised and I feel that apologise should be in a quotation mark. So, I, I mean, you try, uh, take your own bias out of this uh, as much as you can, but what did you make of that? So, I've... <clears throat> Since I've not been on, I'll quickly just fill in what my thoughts are the full thing of. Quickly, my thought oh, no. was, they not, they're going to Dubai, nothing wrong with that. I totally see why they've done it. And to me, they're going to Dubai during a pandemic. Yeah, it doesn't look good in the good optics, but, you know, it, they're still we're allowed to do it. And, yeah, they, they meant to go and take advantage of it. However, what they did on trip is where the issues were their own supporters and everyone had an issue with where... Um, sitting beside pools, mixing with public, blah, 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 blah. We're over that. Now, it was inevitable. I think we could all have predicted this outcome, coming, sadly. I hope the fact that the players that have got it do recover all well. But it was predictable. We could all see the fact is just anyone, even probably Stevie Wonder could have seen this coming. Honestly, it's one of the, it's one of the ones where it's like, them coming back to Dubai after all of that, you could probably s- suggest that nothing good like this was going to come. I thought when it came back, Julian got it, and I was like, oh, right, okay, that's it. They're all isolating, this is worth it over, that's the Dubai thing put to bed. However, Neil Lennon now coming out today has just, you know, dug it up and started, you know, waving a bit like a lunatic again, thinking, right, we're the victims of this, by the way, it's like that, we did nothing wrong, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's like we were by a pool, we were allowed a rest day. You can't, in this situation, I don't think Playing the victim card has got to help, even and take every other supporters away. It's his own supporters he needs to get on side. But at this point, because they are, as I think Amy, uh, who said, I think she put out a tweet today that said that the gap between Rangers and Celtic is big, but not as big as the gap between Celtic's fans and the leadership, which is a massive statement. And I think it's true because they seem so disconnected now and the fact is the fans don't want Lennon there, the fans don't want Peter Lawwell, Dermot Desmond there but Dermot Desmond and Peter Lawwell want Lennon there and vice versa so it's now a big stalemate and Lennon now playing the victim cards is now just you know I'm saying victim card, whether he believes it is in my opinion I feel like that's just a way out of it and generally it's just baffling the fact that he's saying that they've done nothing wrong and the fact is that even the SNP are trying to have a dig at them as well, he didn't say SNP, he said specifically certain government officials. Well, we all know that it's Nicola Sturgeon because she's been having a go at it, but I think it's baffling. But it's, yeah, it's one of the ones where now it's going to be another week of Dubai again. It just seems to be the one story that's just dominating Scottish football at the moment is just Dubai gate, I suppose. So there'll be a better kind of term come come the end of the season for what this entire period is going to be but it just it's embarrassing to be honest and you would think you would think I mean you keep coming back to it it's this year of all years that Celtic have chosen to take the mantle for having for reenacting the banter years to be honest it's it's astounding at points and I think one, one comment he made in the press conference I've just seen uh, Sked tweeted it out he said the whole squad is negative bar two players I think that is I think that is remarkable <laughs> See, I get, I understand that you try to say the fact is like out of I think twenty four win, I could be wrong by the way. Like, I'm talking about players and like staff. I could mm. be well wrong off of that, but you try to say the fact that only to you that is basically a good idea. It's just it's not. Shouldn't have come back with any to be fair. And him trying to still justify the trip. Peter Lobel still trying to justify the trip. It's one of the ones where just hold your hands up, say right, we shouldn't have done it. We're sorry. Let's move on. But not the is, fact that is that not what Lowell did though? Did he not no. come out and say on hindsight, you know, we 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 regret doing it and is that not, is that what, not Len- the right? Not Lennon said today he's taking full respons- responsibility. Well, for Lennon that. said it was it, Lennon said it should have been him that apologised, not Peter Lowell, because it was Lennon's idea for to, to to go. You know, it wasn't you know everybody Lennon saying don't blame Lowell, blame blame me. You know, I I was the one that forced his hand and all that. So I thought that was very interesting. But I just shows you the disconnect between the manager and the, uh, the hierarchy then, because if the uh, higher, uh, Peter Lobel said, in fact, is, right, yeah, we shouldn't have done it, blah, blah, and basically referring to him and basically see sanctions and all that, and the, him saying the Scottish government sanctioned it or all of this, but now Neil Lennon said it was him. Like, 
they're not on the same page here and it's making everything look worse. And their own fans are literally siding with every other team saying, we're a disgrace. And it's one of the ones where it will be fixed by a way rapidly as soon as if Lennon goes, you get a good manager and I guarantee you'll get that good feel about it. But it's just one of these ones where it's the, I think they're trying to save Lennon's legacy, but it's just not for happening. It doesn't really seem to be happening anytime soon, and I, I, I don't know that this kind of could is I, I'm almost seeing this as the kind of the breaking point. Like this is the final meltdown before he's unceremoniously evicted from the from the hot seat at from the managerial seat at Celtic Park. I don't know. I, I, I can't see him lasting past this week personally, but time time will tell. Uh, we'll move on, and I, I, there were a couple of games that I was wanting to talk about. Uh, Rangers drop points against Motherwell and Graham Alexander's first outing, uh, lifting Motherwell off the bottom and a couple of games in hand on the teams above them, so could potentially see them lock up the league. Uh, I'm I'm just I'm just kind of racing through a couple of points, lads, because we're almost at half an hour already, so, and we and we've got a couple of the bigger issues in the SPFL to talk about anyway. Uh, Jamie, you you're kind of man, man of the moment. Uh, Yogi Hughes, he continued his decent start to life at Ross County. Four one win over Aberdeen. I think the most most uh, prominent thing from that match was the fact that Aberdeen fans seemed to be getting increasingly frustrated with Derek McInnes. But I don't, I don't know. Derek McInnes just seems to have outlasted time at uh, Aberdeen. I think he's genuinely older than time at this point at the club. So do you reckon anything will be done with that, or is just going to maintain Derek McInnes for ages? Yeah, again, much like Neil Lennon, um, I, I don't know what needs to be done for kind of Aberdeen to to kind of change it up because every season there seems to be this sort of um, spell where Aberdeen seem to go through a bit of a rough patch and the, the finger is pointed at McInnes every time due to tactics and players not performing. And this is where, for me, I would question... What is the what is the the aim for for Aberdeen Football Club, right? So, is the aim to when when Celtic were um, were dominant and Rangers are kind of struggling, Aberdeen managed to to split the old firm. Um, first team to do that, I think, since since Hearts done it like you know fifteen years ago or something. And uh, you know, I think they've done it twice, two times, three times. I can't remember now. Um, they did, but they definitely done it. And now it seems to be. Firth is is good enough now, but like, this is one of the worst Celtic teams that we've seen for quite a while, really. <laughs> and you know, Aberdeen are still six points behind them, having played the game more. <sighs> they've now dropped to fourth. They're behind Hibs. Okay, they've got two games in hand, but you know, the form that Livingston are in, they've won four. You know, they've unbeaten in like eight games or something. I think at least in the in all competitions anyway, because I think two of them were in the cup. But they definitely came into that game against Celtic with six wins in the league. Aberdeen have won one of the last five in the league that I can see. So on form, you know, I would fancy Livy to to give Aberdeen a run for their money for, you know, fourth or third, depending on how Hibs fare for the rest of the season. And I just don't really know what the, the actual aim is for Aberdeen. So, you know, at the start of the season, what is the the objective is it to come third? Is it to come fourth? Is it, is it just to get European football? I don't know what the the actual aim is for that club because even if even when Aberdeen get into Europe, they never do anything. No. They just go out. You know, they get pumped out by some team from like the Faroe Islands or something. You know, what's the point? Like, there never seems to be any real ambition, if you like. And you know, this is coming from an outsider. You know, I don't know much about Aberdeen. You know, like I've, I've watched them a few times this season and I've not been very impressed. And, you know, I swear I say, I just don't really know what the objective is. So what, what is deemed acceptable from the board? Obviously, McInnes is still there. The fans clearly aren't particularly happy. But I don't know, you know, the fact that he's still there would suggest that the board are happy with what they're seeing. You know, they've won 11 games this season and they've, they've drawn six and they've lost five. So they've got a 50% win ratio in the league this season. Is that acceptable? I don't know. Need to ask the board, but you know you're right. Fans are growing increasingly frustrated, but that is a a pretty embarrassing result, I think, at the weekend. And um, the, the manner of the goals was 
was pretty bad. They got to go back before half time, and you're thinking, yeah, the onslaught probably come, but I don't know. They just seem to be struggling in front of goal, really. Um, I, I found out on Saturday that Bruce Anderson had gone back to Aberdeen. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, I, you know, I saw him at Tynecastle playing for Air United not that long ago, just before Christmas. So mm-hmm. I was surprised to see him back at Aberdeen. I must have missed that that recall. I don't know if they recalled him or if he was only on a, a short-term loan oh, just, until just January. Got, just got was it just terminated by both parties? Right. Just hadn't been working. That's out. interesting. I didn't know that. Um, so yeah, I was surprised to see him back. You know, he came on for Curtis Main at the weekend. I think a lot of Aberdeen fans were quite surprised when. Bruce Anderson actually left the club um, on loan. I think a lot of people were wanting him to get a shot ahead of Kurt's main. Scott Wright, obviously, is pretty openly discussing talks with with Rangers, possibly for um, for a pre-contract in the summer. You know, again, Scott Wright's one of the higher-rated players at Aberdeen just now. And I feel like before McInnes came in, Aberdeen were were kind of rubbish, really, right? They, they hadn't really done an awful lot for, for a while. And McInnes won them their... You know, he won a trophy, he won the League Cup. <laughs> Can't remember then. I think it was a League Cup against Inverness or something. And that was the yeah, kind of first. The it was the League Cup, right? And, um, you know, that was kind of a good achievement for, for the club and for McInnes. And a lot's changed since then, though. And mm. a lot has. I think there's been opportunities for Aberdeen where they've got to finals against Celtic and they've just got gubbed off Celtic every time. Oh. And okay, I mean, there's no. Is there no shame in that? Probably, I don't think there is any shame in that if you look at Celtic over the last few years and take this season out, obviously. But, you know, I, I just don't know what McInnes has kind of done to to retain his position and, and kind of um, retain the board's confidence, really. It, they just kind of seem to be a, on a bit of a journey without really a destination. They just kind of seem just to be... Just a bit average. Like, they're just happy average. To be they just define it. Floating about define without average. really having much impact on anything that goes on. I don't know. I th- I, yeah, no, I, I do. I do definitely I echo what you're saying, and can, they just seem to have no direction, which is a shame for a club like Aberdeen who really have been like they they used to kind of challenge up the top. Up the top There's a lot of and, potential, mm. definitely, and this is probably the problem. Is this is why the fans are frustrated? Is they feel that there's maybe the squad is better than their performance rates at the moment. I don't know, but I just feel like the the fans expect a wee bit better now they feel that they've seen it from the players before they've seen them get to finals and they've, they've seen them split the old firm which is a fantastic achievement in Scotland it's very rarely done mm. but now it's kind of they're just a bit average and they look pretty vulnerable to be honest if Livingston can keep their form up I, I know who my money would be on to, to make the top four and it's it's not Aberdeen No, and look, talk about uh, the top four and you can talk about third Aberdeen have obviously slipped at a third now and we're going to talk about the team that have replaced them in third just briefly before we move on. Uh, Struan Hibbs got one over Kelly in another energy derby. Uh, as Jamie said at the beginning, always nice to get one over Sean. Uh, Jack Ross had said that Hibbs had done the ugly side of the game well in that encounter. Was that how you viewed it? Yeah, it was a pretty awful game, to be perfectly honest with you. I think even Sean said in the chat it was just, just very, very Bourne kind of just sat deep. Hibbs couldn't really break it down. <clears throat> Came to an own goal. Really good ball in from Doig. I thought he played very well. And then just sort of killy pressure for a wee while. Gogic, I think, was absolutely excellent in the game. But And then got his first goal for the club as well. So, yeah, good good result to get back on track again. Chris Cadden and Jackson Irvin made their debuts. I was quite surprised Urban, uh, Irvin sorry, stayed on the pitch. The amount of fouls he was given away in the first half. But... Yeah, it was, a, it was a good performance all around from Hibbs. It's just showing that, you know, Jack Ross has clearly got the back in, judging by the three transfers that have already been made. So hopefully can continue. It was a very, very good weekend for Hibbs, actually. All the results given Celtic and Aberdeen both drop points in the, in the race for second. <laughs> the race for second. Are you still maintaining this, this race for second? Well, not, not really. You'd have to assume that Celtic will get back on track. Right. <laughs> what makes you assume that? There's not much, is there? <laughs> uh, I'll just go back to my energy uh, shout about Neil Lennon doesn't make good signings, but there's there is there is still good players at that club. They will surely get back into form. <laughs> not willing to give away a position that's smart. Mm, uh, no. they will ra- just get back. We're going to wrap up Scottish coverage just quickly because we're on 35 minutes and we're trying to cut down on the on the listening time. Uh, 
on podcast this year. We don't want every podcast to be 70 minutes plus. Uh, there's been a couple of situations uh, with the governing bodies of Scottish football over the past few days. Firstly, uh, St Mirren and Kilmarnock will have been very happy that their appeal against the SPFL has been successful after they were previously given defeats handed down to them due to breaches of COVID-19 protocols. All the games that were uh, just postponed or just blew out the calendar are now set to be played out and the initial fine of 40 grand to each club has now been halved to 20 grand with the f- with the second half of that payment, the second 10 grand being uh, due to be paid at a later date, not immediately. It's very good news for fans of Kelly and fans for fans of St Mirren. Pretty bad news for Motherwell fans, but just a bit embarrassing from the SPFL overall. I mean, I'm, I'd t- I take it we're all in agreement about that. Uh, yeah, it's a victory for football, victory for common sense, and yeah, it's the way it should have been to start with. And uh, I say the punishment fits the crime. Punishment fits the crime. Jamie, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's a it's a really um a really bad result for the SPFL, and you know they've they've really not covered themselves in, in glory over the last year really, um but it just kind of seems to be getting worse now. There's a lot of bad um bad blood about the postponement of leagues one and league two. The meeting that was scheduled, which took place during during last week, doesn't seem to have gone very well. The Stenhouse Muir chairman came out and said that the uh, all the club's microphones were muted when the announcement was made um, about the postponement of Leagues 1 and League 2, so they weren't allowed to discuss the matter. They had to email questions in like prior to the meeting, and it just seems like an absolute mess. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just not, it just adds to the, the growing, um, growing number of, of errors by the, the governing bodies in Scotland. Growing number of errors by the governing body in Scotland increased by one yet again over the weekend. Uh, Ian Maxwell. Has written to all ten championship clubs over the weekend to ask if they want their season to be postponed after he interpreted John Robertson, uh, Inverness Cali Thistle manager's comments about being worried about his players and their families. Uh, he interpreted that as I want the season to be <laughs> to be stopped. <laughs> All clubs in the championship have then disclosed that they want their season to continue and they have the capability to do so as every club is now testing weekly for uh putting tests on their players weekly for Thanks to the Scottish government, that. obviously. Mm. Pff, what what did, what did we make of this situation on top of what the one previously? So it's just not been the best weekend for the SPFL, has it? Right, Jack. Uh, so like you think you don't want this to go for seven minutes? Rule this one out today. <laughs> seven and start minutes. Start again next week, by the way, because there's. We should have done a, se- a separate podcast on uh, the, the the errors of the governing bodies. <laughs> it's oh, it's just baffling. One guy, like not even one team, not even one board, one person. Yeah. Said had a complaint, and yet it's like, nah, that's it. Phil Wig needs to be called. And to me, that is a little bit not not suspicious, but that's a little bit like. You're jumping the gun a bit there, like you're trying to please the Scottish government because you knew that you not only going to be played, but you knew you get fucked up with Celtic. The fact is, you've not done anything with them. The fact you've not even looked in it to consider what happened breaches. They might still be doing it, but yeah, they're trying to please this government. I, me personally, I think they offered up leagues one and two. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Board said the uh, said the same that they've used them up as a sacrifice, and it is shocking. The fact is, they're harming their own member clubs. And it just shows that they, frankly, aren't doing anything right at the moment. They need to get a grip, and Ian Maxwell is just a cherry on the top of a whole load of fuck-ups. He's, he's jumped to conclusions massively, Absolutely, and it's, it's, yeah. not a, it's not a good look because I, I think it does look dodgy. I think it mm. does look like they're, they're trying to, to kind of call a halt to this, this season. Um. And you know, I'll leave the conspiracy theories at the door, but you know, I, I, it's not a good look. Um, you know, it's not a club's position. I, I was listening to Sportsend on Saturday, as I said earlier, and, and Scott Gardner was on it, the, the boy from Inverness, and uh, you know, he spoke very well again. I listened to him a few times in the summer when he was on about the arbitration process, and uh, I thought he spoke very well again. 
he said that you know it wasn't a Cubs position. John had had kind of made some made some kind of relatively um relatively innocent comments. You know, he just said he he had these concerns about kind of families and that, which is it's fairly natural. You know, I've got concerns about about my family of of catching COVID. If you know, front there's plenty of frontline workers out there. Just because somebody in Tesco doesn't feel necessarily safe, it doesn't mean they want the whole every shop in the country to shut. You know, it's he's just jumped to conclusions and ultimately completely got the wrong end of the stick and um, it's it's just not a good look because you know then it comes out and you know as if they they didn't need a stick to be beaten with and you know maxwell's obviously jumped to the wrong conclusion and um and given everybody another another piece of wood to beat them over the head with and um you know look we had the opportunity to Kind of look into the into the governing bodies and and potentially look for um, for change in the summer and it was it was unanimously rejected so you know you've um, you can you know, for I'm not necessarily blame, blaming anybody for that but clubs had had an option to um, to kind of look into this and, and prevent um, possible mismanagement from the governing bodies in our game but they chose not to and um, this is kind of why we're in this this situation still is because we we didn't look into the the guys at the top I think for the very least for outsiders looking into Scottish football we are nothing if not entertaining in this country to everyone. It, it is embarrassing for us as fans, supporters and con- potentially future contributors to Scottish football and just the overarching kind of view of it but it, to be honest I honestly don't really think I could add much to what Taylor and Jamie have said I, I don't know Strewn if you had any Thoughts, sort of thoughts on the situation. No, I think I just basically agree with what has been said there. <clears throat> Aye, the boys have done a very good job of kind of tying everything together there. So, Ian Maxwell, bad. That is the that is the conclusion <laughs> that we've landed on for this week and what has been another frantic weekend in Scottish football. And that'll do us for this week. In terms of that, we're going to move our focus down south to the action from the Premier League. As I said in the beginning, we're midway through. A double set of fixtures for this week. Uh, we've been very, very invested in the fantasy football this weekend, as listeners can imagine, but we're not going to talk about that today. That's for next week's uh, Fantasy Ramble. Uh, we're going to start talking about the biggest game of the weekend, which was Liverpool versus Man United. And as with every big six clash that we've seen this season, bar two or three, it was very... Betty, there wasn't a lot of action. There wasn't a lot of clear-cut chances. It was a very cagey affair. Uh, Struan, as a United fan in this situation, I don't know how you viewed it, but I was kind of seeing Liverpool keeping the ball a lot more and kind of maintaining possession, but then United had the best of the chances in the game. So how, how what was your view on it? I see it as the exact same way you saw it there. I think this is probably the most nervous I've been for a United game in quite a while. I think probably since the Leicester won at the end of last season, but before that, it's just, I think it's a very good, I think this definitely is a better result for Man United, all things considered, given they stay three ahead of Liverpool and it was at Anfield. But I think, I think United had the chances to win it though. Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba chances were probably the ones to go for. One of the players who I think just about everybody's been very critical of, Luke Shaw, was actually very, very good. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's just as you say, it's yet another top six clash that is, ended this way out of the of United's five top six clashes this season. Three of them have ended nil nil and one and another one ended one nil, but they'll ignore what Spurs did. But I just it's just it's almost you know, neither team wants to lose. And I think if you'd offered someone like Ollie Gunnar Social at the start of the match, you know, a draw, snap your hand off. But then in the end, you know, United are quite gutted to only come away with a point, which I think does show the changes in the club and the mentality given the same fixture a year ago, Liverpool won two 0 They moved thirty points clear of Man United. This time, United are three points ahead. I think it does show not only United progression, but also how we're, we're sort of back in what is a normal season. You know, the last three years, just City and Liverpool have just run away with it. You know, you lose three games, that's you basically drop the league at that point. Whereas this year, it seems to be very close. You know, it looks like it's going to be decided between that 70 to 85 point margin as it, <clears throat> as it has been in the, in often in the past, but yeah, pretty, pretty disappointing derby to be, to be perfectly honest. I, I, I don't know if I'd say disappointing in terms of you no know, goals, obviously, but I don't know. I, yeah. I was intrigued by it. I was kind of 
picking out players that otherwise wouldn't have because I felt like a lot of the focus in for both these teams over the last few weeks has been on their attacking players like Rashford and Fernandez for United and then the front three for Liverpool as always. But I feel like the more defensive players like I thought Scott McTominay had a very good game. I thought Fabinho was excellent at centre naturally. I thought Fabinho was excellent at centre back. Allison made a couple of really important saves. Then Taylor for me, kind of standout player once again for this Liverpool team was Thiago. It looked as though anything that Liverpool were going to create was coming through Thiago. His footwork and his just ability to move the ball under pressure, it was absolutely fantastic. And I mean do you think Liverpool could have potentially had this been further ahead of where they are just now and kind of have almost sent the league like got the league sorted again if Thiago had been able to stay fit and stay in contention for a start yeah Thiago was a big loss uh, at the start of the season and we're only seeing now exactly how that if you've probably watched him before like he's a great football player probably one of the best that just been able to fall in love with the football in that midfield he just is having so simple he makes it look good and Liverpool needed that, and Liverpool are going to thrive off of that. Not, uh, not could they will because Thiago will show his ability in the Premier League and prove the fact he is just a tremendous football player. Um, it's just one of the ones where Liverpool's front feet aren't really on fire right now, and with Thiago coming in now, hopefully get a good run of games without injury and that, and being able to stay injured free. Then yeah, I could. I can see Liverpool pushing up that league again and challenging Man United, Man City, which, you know, gives me it gives me a wee bit of a smile because it feels good to actually have, you know, I know everybody's like, oh, the top six is born, you know, they're running, but it's good the fact we're having competitiveness back, not one uh, team running away with the mm. league, like one, basically, everybody being guff. It's quite good, the fact is, like, everyone's doing relatively good and it's quite tight. It still does remain very tight at the top. Uh, Jamie, Taylor mentioned them there. Manchester City, though, they do remain the favourites for me and for the bookies as well. Uh, they got a comfortable win against Palace. They ran out as 4-0 winners. Uh, t- they are more than anyone taking advantage of that uh, 0-0 draw between United and Liverpool. City have jumped into second and have a game in hand on everyone else in the top five. That's Spurs, Liverpool, Leicester and Man United. So should they win that game, they will go top. What What are your thoughts on City? I want, I want to ask you, kind of, you, you and I have had experience of play, playing in defence in, in, in our lives, in our, in our youth. So I kind of want Ouch. to... <laughs> sorry, sorry, Stuart. It's a very defensive, top back-heavy defence uh, that we've got in this podcast today. Good Lord. Uh, John Stones is just playing out of his skin just now. Like, Scoring twice and then putting in fantastic defensive performances across his uh, last few games. I mean, how impressed have you been with the England international? Yeah, he's he's done really well, and uh, you know I think we spoke about it on the ramble on Friday. You said that Diaz has formed a partnership with with John Stones, and and you know everybody was as as kind of surprised at that as um as the next person really. So yeah, I think he deserves a lot of credit. I don't know if it's down to kind of the way he's been managed recently, if they've changed anything in training, if it's just a confidence player. I don't know. The City have certainly got a pretty favourable run of, of games at the moment. And, you know, as we spoke, three, uh, three home games in a row. And then they go to West Brom, Sheffield United and Burnley. So then they've got Liverpool, Tottenham and, and Arsenal. But, you know, the, the next kind of few games, you would expect nothing but a win. In, uh, in each of those games and, and it, it would put them in really good stead going into the, the games against uh, against Liverpool, Tottenham and Arsenal which are naturally going to be tougher before the, the Champions League game against Mönchengladbach so they've got every chance to, to put a, a, you know, they're already on a very good run of form but they've got a good chance to to, to kind of extend that and um, unfortunately I picked Diaz for my team uh, for fantasy Cameron picked John Stones so fair play to him um, <laughs> but yeah City defence is certainly looking very strong in the moment and, and that's why they're my they're my favourites um, for the title because, you know, we, we kind of said they haven't really looked themselves. They have lacked that ruthlessness this this season, but the defensive side of it has really tightened up and that's why they're, they're still uh, still right in the title race. I suppose they've... I do agree that they've lacked a ruthlessness, but is that not just more telling of their quality, the fact that they can get three goals against Chelsea absolutely. four goals against absolutely. Palace? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I just um, think they're nailed on, to be honest. I, I can't really look past them. Liverpool and Man United yeah, are doing well, you're... obviously, but... yeah. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think so, the... it's always the best defense, isn't it? That wins the league, not the best attack. Yeah, I suppose you, you would you would say so absolutely. Uh, where exactly. else can we talk about in England? There wasn't it wasn't a blockbuster. Chelsea weekend. won the derby. Yes, <laughs> yes. There wasn't enough emphasis on derby. the <laughs> <laughs> SW6 derby. Rubbish game, to be quite honest with you, lads. Yeah, it was awful. It was awful. I, I, Jamie, I don't know about you. I don't think we'd have won that had uh, Anthony Robinson not been sent off. I, I think had didn't Phil- think I didn't think we would win it before the game. I said that on I, I said that on the round. I haven't come Phil- back down yet from from the air, by the way. I don't know. After Robinson just yeah, sent, sent him into orbit, like I don't know. I think he's kind of circling <laughs> Mars at this down. point. So I I don't know. It was it was a very bad game. Chelsea just I don't know what it was a bad game. I generally don't know what's going on. Another Werner miss at the end. Of course, he's in my. Oh, that thing. poor boy. Honestly, <laughs> and now the rumours about Erling Haaland have come out today as well, which is. I was, I generally had my heart in my mouth because for long-time listeners of this podcast, everyone knows I can I will end up watching things about 10 seconds behind everyone else because now TV is not very good. And Sean and Jamie started laughing in the group chat when Fulham had a free kick <laughs> 30 yards out and I was thinking, surely we've not conceded. If we've conceded, I'm not watching football the rest of the night. And then seeing Werner go one-on-one and then I think, oh, this is good. Oh, wait. As soon as I realised Vera were going through one on one and I was on a delay, I knew he was missing. And just to see, even uh, without the delay, I think anybody would have thought he was missing. <laughs> there were just um, new Torres. There was a really sad picture. I think it was him just like slumped over, like kind of in the in the middle of it, and Lampard just kind of patting his back. I was like, oh no, <laughs> just quite sad, isn't it? Do we think yeah, Verna, when do when do we think Werner's next going to score a goal? Alexson. December. Do you know what? <laughs> well, I don't know. Have got, who, who have we got in the FA Cup again? Luton. Maybe that then. Sure. No, nah, they, they just beat Bournemouth in the Championship. I don't think we're winning that, lad. No, it's not too bad at Chelsea, guys. Come on. You've got... Tim Abraham's still Chelsea's best striker. I fully believe. No, I swear this changes every week because I'm pretty sure we did we not say it was Giroud the other week. It, it pro- it, Probably, genuine, yeah. I would say from an outside point, I would say Giroud is. If I was. Lampard, I would start Drew as much as I could. But then again, you probably want to play a good winger in Callum Hunts and Adoy, who he then admitted he should have played, but didn't. Against Man City and Arsenal, I swear, when Hudson Adoy came on both times, Chelsea looked a bit better. Taylor, when are we playing Wolves then? 27th of January. Two. Two weeks. Oh, you'll beat Wolves. You'll beat Wolves. No, no, last thing, did we? No, no. The Wolves don't keep clean sheets. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'll be their clean sheet then, actually. That will be their clean sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Connor could just, uh, I'd, I'd say a big result was probably Southampton and Leicester. I think Leicester are definitely in the title race as well. Yeah, that was big. That think, was big. I think nobody's sort of mentioning them as being a title race contender just because of what happened to the last season how you know they were in third for so long and then they just completely fell away I think I don't know if they'll be under the same pressure this this season because Spurs don't look at it as much as they did earlier in the season Chelsea Spurs are such are, a weird Chelsea one Chelsea are away Arsenal are further away Everton oh, have no they're above view. Liverpool now actually Jesus I never knew that yeah, yeah they're sitting third third even City I'm just looking at the table now I never knew they were above Liverpool now is it just who's who's really disappointed that Southampton didn't <laughs> smack Leicester 9-0 Stroom predicted it. Stroom put in his ramble predictions. If they had, I would have genuinely had to do something like that. that I would think, have had to I think every single team in the Premier League should have just should just lie down to Southampton in every other game if that had happened. Just just give them the title. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine how how heartwarming Hassan Hüttel's reaction would be given he broke down the tears with a win against Liverpool? Can you imagine what a title would be like? Wholesome. Wholesome content. I think I'd be greeting and, and I'd have no connection to Southampton. No, I, would, I don't think it would talk Ranieri. I was, I was in tears when Ranieri won. Like, we were talking about the start of the podcast. Well, I, him, I, him and Andrea Bocelli just like, belting out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that man had a lovable <laughs> face. And just, he's just a lovable guy. And I was dilly so ding, happy. dilly dong. And then, <laughs> and then they sacked him before the end of the next man. season and brought in Craig Shakespeare. <laughs> 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 what an appointment that was. Jeez. Uh, just one other piece of news from England I uh, have to say a farewell to one of the best playmakers of the 2010s in England Mesut Ozil has finally left Arsenal 
Strange. Yeah. Oh, no. won't, be the, won't be the key player anymore. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> God, I'm going to have to change my fantasy team for the first time in a while. Again. <laughs> You're finally going to get rid of Werner, yeah? No, 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 no. Strange, do it for the boys' the second I... sake, man. Come on. No, the second I take him out, he scores. Exactly. I'm, so I was just going to say, yeah, I was, I was just going to say, you asked when is Werner going to score next, and I, I was just about to say actually when, uh, when Strange takes him out. His okay. well, I'm, I'm not taking him out anytime soon because I'm not going to give up those points. That <laughs> might eventually soon happen. You're ruining a man's career here, Strange. <laughs> so selfish. And ruining your given, own chances. Given, because, given because he's not scoring for you. Did, I don't think it's me. I'm sorry. That, that 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 was just heart 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 part of my soul there. Can't lie. Uh, yeah, Ozil's gone. Ozil's gone to Fenerbahce, uh, which he said we all kind of knew was happening anyway. He'd kind of hinted at it for weeks now that it was happening. So nice to see it finally got over the line. Nice to see Ozil actually going to be able to play football again. Realistically, it's be enjoyable seeing Stern predict him as his man of the match and for the next you know Arsenal game. You know, he's, he's back <laughs> On to Rosehead. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing, you know, I, a lot of people are happy that Arsenal are now saving 350 grand a week, but you have to remember, isn't William on like 300 grand a week? Probably. So in effect, that money that was now being paid to William wasn't last season, so it's like, yeah, you are saving money, but realistically, it's, it's now going to William. Daylight robbery from William, to be quite honest with you, how that man's commanding £300,000. <laughs> Three hundred thousand pounds of the Queen's finest sterling uh, <laughs> every single week is ridiculous. How many shots on target has he had? I did Hobbit negative six. <laughs> Own goal. <laughs> Bad time. Right, we're going to round out today's show with last ditch challenge. This is where we could just. Oh, we're on the subject of last. I'm going to give some praise quickly that Kieran Tierney is a very, very good footballer. Yeah, That's all. I've minded knowing that he Saka's wasn't going to play good. the other night. Oh yeah, What's that the point? muscle tight. What's the point in press conferences muscles. if they don't see who's like injured? I thought that was the whole point of press. Why can everyone not do what um, people on Bielsa did? News. Why can why can everyone not do what Bielsa did against West Ham and just name just announces Robin? his team like seven days in advance? Do that, like that, yeah, and just say just say to everyone. Oh yeah, this player's not going to play because he injured himself in training this week. There we go. Easy. Yeah, Judas managers clearly don't play fantasy, do they? No. Pep Guardiola's the worst for it, but no, everyone else is getting bad. I, I bet Pep does actually. He's like, oh, the boy above me is triple captain, like Cancelo, so I'll just drop him. <laughs> he would, he would and De Bruyne is about to break the well. assist record. Struan Garvey's captain him this week, unlucky for <laughs> Every, Everyone knows Struan Garvey's name after he get read out in BT this weekend. Um, <laughs> go on then. Jules Breach just giving Struan Garvey a platform on live television. I yeah, made Chris Sutton change his mind. I'm Go, I will we'll back that. We will back that. I never actually, I never, well, obviously, you cut the video off after it was, um, after, <laughs> after was Robbie Savage went so. mental. Oh, <laughs> the timing of that. Oh, to be fair, she got, she got, uh, she got, she got through right your point, yeah. yeah. Felt bad for the other people that are probably about before Mopey came screaming across, but, um, for, for the question of who's the best English manager currently in football, um, Chris Sutton had said Roy Hodgson, and then when they came back to him later on the show, he changed his mind to Stephen Gerrard, so I. I'd like to think uh, I convinced him. There we go. Well done. That's impressive. Like ah, that is getting good. a Celtic, a Celtic man to say <laughs> Stephen Gerrard. A boy. <laughs> what's What's even more funny about it though is it was the top five managers currently in Britain, and he'd said, or the UK, sorry, and he'd said Stephen Gerrard. Also, had Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in amongst them, which I don't think anybody was expecting. That's an entirely different conversation for another day. But yeah, we do not need off to the that. boil, by the way. This last section's program always reminds me. This program, this podcast reminds <laughs> me of Alberti's tackle uh, on like Marata. What last it's challenge? Yeah, this is the only thing that always plays over and over. Nah, I've, I've got is that, is that when Ramos screams killer? <laughs> killer. <laughs> doesn't 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 Ramos scream something like that? Like take him down or kill him or something like that? And he has to <laughs> Ramos like, probably screams something like that three times every game. To be honest, honestly, he's a nutcase. No, that, Probably what he says before he smacks the penalty into the top man. I've hit. So we're going to do last out's challenge, which just basically covers every all the biggest stories from around the world of football that we might have missed. Lionel Messi has been sent off for the first time ever. And face a potential twelve match ban. Tw- what? Yeah, twelve. Yeah, I seen talk sports today. Well, just because he ban. clapped somebody in the heat. Uh, I think it was because of. Um, I'll get it up in an article quickly while you pad it out, Jack. Thank you. 
Right, so he was sent off for, I think, lashing out an Athletic Bilbao player in the 3-2 loss in the Super Cup final. Uh, I don't know, it's just sad seeing Messi at Barcelona just now. Like, There's nothing ceremonious about this situation with Messi at Barcelona. We all kind of know he's going to leave at the end of the season. But it's just kind of going from bad to worse for him. He just, ever, everything's gone tits up, to be honest. There's no, there's no going to be a fairy tale ending for Messi. It's just going to kind of... The flames of Messi's Barca career are just going to kind of fade out with a little bit of a whimper. And his legacy will remain, but his happiness in the moment might not. What, what, what do we think about Messi at Barcelona just now? One of the greatest players of all time, easily, but it's just, just quite sad to see of all time. Some, one of um, to see him going out. <laughs> do you know, I'm generally not even like that much. Like, I, I think Messi's absolutely phenomenal, to be perfectly honest, and always will be, but... It's just it's just sort of sad to see him going going out like this, especially since he's literally given his entire career up until this point to the club. And in many ways, it almost echoes the you know remember in Argentina when he um when he retired and then he he came back out of international retirement like a month or two later and stuff like that. And it's just sort of these you just never want to go out in a bad way, you know. You want to go out yeah. in a in a good way. And it looks like I think I think last season was the first time in years Barca never won a single trophy. And then I, I don't know if they'll win anything exactly this season so it, it could, could be a very very poor ending to his career which I think unfortunately quite a lot of people will probably hold that against him you know accuse him of leaving Barca at a bad time but I think I think he has earned it you know everything yeah. he's given to that club 100% like, do you know what that's going to be classic it was just such a shame there's not going to be fans to see him off yeah that is, that is probably I mean, there's been quite a lot of legends of left clubs like David Silva I don't know if you count Ozil as an Arsenal legend but I mean there, there has been plenty Recently, you just sort of think, you know, you, you want them to come back when fans are there to get that proper send-off, whenever that may be. I mean, I mean to, to quote Phil Jones, would anyone turn up to Ozil's testimonial? Or Ozil's... <laughs> that was heartbreaking, Kala- man. Kalasinach will. <laughs> it's just Ozil and Kalasinach doing keepy-uppies in the middle of the park at the Emirates. <laughs> uh, Taylor, yeah, Taylor yeah. did you find that, by the way? Yes, so I found a report from a Spanish outlet, Marsa, if you... Yep. Probably know who it is. They have said that Messi could face up to 12 games uh, banned because the Spanish FA could deem it as uh, violent conduct. So if he is found um, guilty for that, uh, he's got a choice between 4 or 12 games. So anywhere between them, he could be banned. So You've got a choice Messi... between 4 and 12? No, no, presumably, four. presumably that depends on the severity of the yeah, yeah, violent conduct. Seen. I mean, it yes. was just a bit of a slap, was it not? I mean, Aye, just gonna get, it's going to get 12 games for that. I can see him probably getting four that it's messy. They'll bow down his superiority. Um, really. <laughs> La Liga did not seem to want to bow down at Messi's superiority these days. Nor the Barca. Nor the Barca. Messi isn't exactly on the best of terms with everyone in that league so at the moment. So, fair enough, his Barca career could be, if Spanish FA wanted, it could be completely over now. Like, that could have been his last game. If they do no. twelve, I doubt it. But surely not. Barca, Barca have surely get more than twelve league games left to go. Uh, maybe I don't know. <laughs> it might be it's, back in time for that fair They've played eighteen game. games, so they've got t- presumably twenty to go. Oh, presumably so play thirty-eight games, play each team twice so like every other yeah. league. I'm so close. Not really. Numbers were never really a strong point anyway. No, no, no. Uh, just, oh, just, just finally before we wrap up, just there's further development in the in the Serie A title race. Can it closing where we started? Look at that. See, pulling everything together like I, like I like to do. Full coming full circle exactly. Inter beat Juventus two 0 at San Siro to move level on points with leaders AC Milan. Although AC do, do currently have a game in hand over their city rivals. Juventus see themselves down in fifth with both Napoli and Roma ahead of the old lady. As we, Stuart and I were kind of saying in the beginning, lads, it's quite nice, it's quite refreshing to see someone other than Juventus in pole position. It's just quite nice to see someone else other than Juventus winning a title, realistically. Yeah, I, I would agree. It was quite good, by the way. I'm a big fan of Inter and... AC Milan, I would not object to them winning it because I think that'd be great seeing the two Milan clubs going at it head to head again. But kind of brings back the old days since you know AC yeah. Milan have obviously had a massive fall from grace. So yeah, certainly good to see uh, to see them kind of back up where they where they should be. I mean, you know, let's be serious; they've been absolutely mince for a while now. But uh, 
you know, it's it's this is where we expect to see the, the Milan teams battling that out at the top of the league, like what they used to be. So, yeah, very good to see. Wouldn't uh, I'd probably favour AC. You personally. can say that Milan have been sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. And also Genero I would back AC Milan, but with my backing, that means you need to stay away from Fikayo Tomori. Leave, leave him be, please. Mm. <laughs> no. What's the point, though? Eh? I, I think mean, he's not going to get. He's not going to get played. I don't I know why. Win for Chelsea, to be honest. I don't know why he doesn't play. It annoys me. You either get thirty million for an academy graduate who's like fifth choice, or he has a, a decent loan and then comes back and plays for Chelsea, or I suppose he could have a poor loan and then come back to Chelsea and nothing really happens. But but surely, if you your, your academy graduate is commanding thirty million pound. He should right. be. He should be starting. He's at a level where he should be playing no, in the team. No, no offense to Tamori, but I would still probably widely consider him to be maybe in the unproven category, given he's never had like a full season as a first choice centre back at one of the top leagues. So to to get thirty million, I think would be very good in in the current. Yeah, I mean, if you're not market. if you're not gonna if you're not gonna play him, yeah. might as well sell him. <laughs> I'd get, I'd thirty million. Thirty million is good. You're right. So yeah, I'd get rid of Christensen instead. Especially like but... Sar. Would anybody want Christensen? <laughs> Send, he, he did well in Germany when he was on loan at uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, so I'd, I'd send him there. Before you round off, by the way, I'd like to say uh, congratulations to Chelsea's legend, longest serving player, Lucas Piazza. Lucas Piazza is finally getting the move that he's been dreaming of, uh, getting out of Stanford. <laughs> out of Stanford <laughs> I think he's played a total After, of... After like 17 loans to the test Arnheim. And that one to Fulham. How do you spend right? Okay, we all know Scott Carson, right? Scott Carson's a keeper, you can arguably say, right, we need him as a backup, but as an outfield player, nine years at a club without really making an impact. Nine years at the club. Nine years at the club. Three games played. <laughs> Game every three years. Right, you either have a nine-year contract to start with, or after like the third game by the way, they're like, here's a five-year contract, boom. Like, how do you sit nine years like that? How do you earn your contracts? That's what I don't get. The magic of Roman Abramovich's checkbook, I suppose. Uh, that is going to be all from us this week. Thank you very much to everyone for listening to this episode of the Football Roundup. Be sure to subscribe to Energy Sports Podcast feed wherever you get yours and follow us over on Twitter to keep up to date with all of our sports content. Thank you very much to Struan Taylor and Jamie for joining me today. Be sure to check out Extra Time and the Fancy Ramble later in the week. But until we see you then, I've been Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time.